Hey friends, we are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One With Friends podcast. Yeah, end of November. Stepping into the holiday season. I mean, we've already had our holiday for Thanksgiving in the U.S., but stepping into the Christmas season and all the things. So very excited. It's getting a little chilly here in Tennessee. Uh, I'm assuming nothing has changed on your end. (laughs) Um, Today was actually, the high was 55, so. Oh. Yeah, I would say it's pretty cold for us, but I'm enjoying it. perfect high temperature weather. Uh-huh. 60s, high 50s. Mm. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Good for you. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. I love it. Yep. Most Good. Floridians don't, but I do. Sure, sure. Yeah, they they live down there to escape weather like that. Yeah, this is this is winter to them. This is like let's pull out the beanies and the parka coats <laughs> and the Ugg boots oh, like Oh no. Yeah. I cannot. Well, Meanwhile, you're out there in, like, a tank top and shorts. <laughs> yeah, like, I walked great. out of the gym, and I was like, this is perfect. Like, I don't want to walk out oh, of being sweaty yes. and hot to, like, another sweaty and hot moment. Like, this is this is the best. Yes. Oh, I 100% agree with you. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the episode. Give us the recap. Yeah, so this week we watched season seven, episode 13, titled The One Where Rosita Dies, which aired on Rosita, which aired on February 1st, 2021. Uh, Teleplay by Brian Buckner and Sebastian Jones, story by Sherry Bilsing and Ellen Plummer and directed by Stephen Prime. Phoebe has a bizarre first day in her new job. When she encounters a distraught office manager in a suicidal mood and Rachel and Chandler both believe that they have broken Joey's favorite chair. I'll be honest with you, Llewellyn. I had zero idea what I was walking into with the name, the title of this episode. Honestly, same. I forgot that that's what he named his chair. I know. And I was trying to think, didn't, the grandma already die in season one i thought maybe it was another grandparent or i i could not place the storyline and then very early on i mean the soft open gives us everything yeah and and that's when i realized what it was but for for a solid 20 seconds i was coming in blind so For those of you that do not remember the episode, maybe you don't watch the episodes with us as we're watching week to week, or maybe like us, this is only your second run through and you are experiencing it sort of brand new (laughs) with us. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. The the Rosita comes from Joey's Barker Lounger. So Joey comes home to his apartment in this soft open. And he finds Rachel trying to move his Barca lounger and switch it, swap it for the couch that's always been against the window in the back portion of the apartment. It's a yellow couch. More than one person can sit on it. She thinks, come on, Joey, this makes more practical sense. More than one person can sit on this couch. I currently do not have a chair it doesn't it doesn't make any practical sense and he will not budge he's named it it's got its place it's staying he talks about the perfect positioning of it where it is to the bathroom and the kitchen and the breeze without the glare from the window it's angled perfectly he is set on this chair remaining a permanent fixture of this apartment in its current location so joey leaves after he has thought that he has laid down the law he thought he had said all he needed to say and then he left and that's when rosita completely crumbles in the hands of rachel it the whole back just falls apart like she hogan hulked it (laughs) apart (laughs) the whole back springs are exposed inside fluff is exposed the inner workings of the chair 
She tries to move it. The whole back falls off. And this is where we set up the entire storyline for Rachel and Joey and Chandler. Yes. So two things. The Magna Doodle was the USDA Prime logo. And it was purposeful because this episode was directed by Stephen Prime. So they made it that or he made it that. I don't know who. but. Oh, good. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, and then at some point in this scene, Joey tells Rachel that she can sit on top of his lap. Um, yeah. And that and when, when he's doing this, he uh, puts his beer, ca- beer cap on the table and the noise from the beer cap, like hitting the table, isn't heard. Like it's a metal piece of thing mm. hitting the table but then in the next shot he opens the beer bottle again and puts it down and then the sound is present that time so it's like he opened the bottle twice but we only got like mm. the actual satisfaction of hearing the bottle cap hit the table one time okay so a little continuity error yeah, in the little, editing little department that's pretty early to get the magna doodle on the back I know but that was the only well there's one other time we saw it but it was very evident. Like, as soon as they showed it, I was like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to slip into the main part of the episode. We're going to go downstairs in the cafe where Monica is going to be reading through a, is it a local paper, maybe? I think so. Like a paper clipping or a magazine clipping or something. And she finds out, essentially that their parents are selling their childhood home and the way that they find out is through this newspaper she comes in and the way that she gives it to ross to kind of reveal it to him is she shows him the listing and he's reading and he starts to look at all of these features of the house that he starts to point out. This one looks like this. This looks like that. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of film uh, f- familiarity. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Familiarity. And all of a sudden he realizes that's our house and they weren't told. So they're really upset about it. That's the main part of this scene that I got. I have nothing else written. Yeah. Um, childhood homes. I don't know about you. I don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure i know this answer yes you don't really have a childhood home anymore right yeah so what's really hard about that is i've we lived in arizona for 10 years michigan for 20 but between michigan we lived in two different cities that were not side by side these weren't yeah you know next to each other county wise it was two completely hours apart in michigan I moved to Oklahoma for three years, then back to Michigan. Well, okay. It was 20... I consider it 18... I consider it 18 years overall in Michigan, but there's a three-year gap in there, and it's also two different locations. And then I moved down to Nashville. So I have, I have no childhood home. I don't have locations that we can still go to. Yeah, I have none of that. Even my grandma moved homes. And so even any time we visited her house, it wasn't the home that I remember being her grandchild in. It was sort of new and fresh and different. So I I have nothing nostalgic. I have like mementos, but I don't have a place that's nostalgic. What about you? Yeah, you, know, Do you I'm, guys? I'm the same way. Um, okay. We, the house I was like born in, like when I was born... We lived there for five years of my life, and then okay, we moved to. So I lived in th- I lived in Michigan my whole life until I moved to Florida a couple years ago. Mm. But when I turned five, we moved thirty miles south um, to a different city because my parents didn't want us going to the school we were in. Um, and so we moved thirty miles south. We were there for fifteen years. And then my wow. parents got divorced and then my dad moved to a different house in the same town so I could continue going to school there and like graduate from that town. Um, mm. But then my mom, who I lived with primarily, I only saw my dad, I only like stayed at my dad's a couple of days a week. Um, she literally changed houses every year of high school. So I had, a, I lived in a different county 
every year of high school. Um, and then I went away to college and I went to two different colleges and then I came back and I lived in multiple different locations. So I don't have any, there was like a chunk of my childhood where we had the same home, but there's really nothing, um, nostalgic about anywhere anymore. We have like family in Ohio, like where my mom grew up that we call like down home, but I've never lived there, but it's just like mm-hmm. vacation. We vacation there all the time growing up. So, and we do holidays there. So that just like kind of became like that home place, like home base. So yeah, I guess you could say that, but as far as like childhood memories, like the town I grew up in, that I have no affiliation with anymore. So yeah, it's like sad thinking about it. When I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, it's like here they are almost 30 years old that. and they are just now losing <laughs> yeah. that but like i lost that at 15 like that's so sad yeah well and even in arizona where i was born we lived in two separate houses over the course of those 10 years yeah so we had the first house which i still remember and then we moved i don't know five ten minutes down the road it was it, it, practically in the same neighborhood it was just a new build And so we've never been in a place for more than, I don't know, 10 years by far. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Michigan home, I guess, was the closest. Once we moved from the one town to the final town. I guess what's hard is I consider Kalamazoo more where I grew up than I do Arizona. Because when you're zero to 10, I mean, friends are fluid. There, There's not, you're not putting down roots. <laughs> you're growing up. It was more, I became independent and lived on my own, moved out of my parents' house. All of that happened while well in Michigan. So I consider yeah. that more my hometown. I made, like, that was where I grew up. Right. That makes sense. Wow. Man, we're going back to the archives in in this one. We are. Oh, has us feeling nostalgic for the nostalgia we don't have. (laughs) (laughs) We're mourning the nostalgia we don't get. We're living vicariously through the friends. Yeah, what's hard, though, is we have such a transient culture now. Yeah. It's, It's a gift to be able to say, I have a childhood home. And at 30 and 40, I'm still going back to my childhood home. Because you're, that's depending on your parents having similar jobs, staying in the same area, all of that. That's just, wow, man. All right. Well, trying to bring this back up, uh, (laughs) we're going to meet up back at Joey's apartment. And Rachel is essentially Joey, he comes in to find the Barca lounger destroyed right and Rachel is apologizing to him she offers to buy a new one but Joey says her body's not even cold yet (laughs) but (laughs) Rachel finally sways him come to the store with me and we're gonna buy a new chair and he seems a little content with that enough that she could persuade him at least yeah for sure so now we hop back at Monica's, so Chandler and Monica's place. Ross and her are still discussing what they've learned earlier in the cafe. They are still in disbelief about the selling of the home. Ross, Monica jokes about Ross's room being a shrine while Monica's was turned into a gym almost immediately after she moved out. <laughs> and they once again talked about how Ross is the firstborn and he's the favorite and it's because they thought she was barren so they shouldn't like that shouldn't fall on Ross's shoulders. <laughs> There's this storyline woven in that he's favored because he was like a miracle baby <laughs> and he finds pride in that storyline enough that it's going to come up later. But he says he shouldn't be blamed for it. He was just the miracle baby that they had been 
wanting. So Phoebe comes in super frustrated with her income. She says, in the entire year up to this point, I've only had two massages and they were both bad tippers and it's already February. And Monica says, we were your clients. (laughs) Which (laughs) is such a dig to them. Oh yeah, it is. And I don't, I don't know if, I can't decide if I believe Monica is a bad tipper or not. I can see scenarios where she's both. I can see Chandler being stingy. I feel like I can see Monica being stingy. I think Chandler's the most financially secure. He's the one with the normal full-time job. He had a bunch of money for the wedding that he wrote down. He's got a savings account. I think he's actually financially secure. Yeah. But if you think about it, Monica has a rent adjusted apartment because she's subletting from her grandma. So she's also not paying the full rent that would be New York City. But I agree with you. I could see her as being stingy. But anyways. Um, I just so, have to I just have to mention that the the pristine white coffee pot that I've mentioned in the last couple episodes actually yeah. had coffee in it in this one in this one okay you did mention that an episode or two ago yeah okay. i was shocked i was like oh my gosh it was used it was used well ross offers extra cash opportunities as a telemarketer and phoebe mentions it would be better than her last call job <laughs> which <laughs> through innuendo i think we all know what her last <laughs> call job was so we follow Phoebe into this new work endeavor. She is getting the lay of the land in her quote unquote training. And if you could see me, you'd see I'm doing air yeah. quotes because none of this is what I would consider qualified job training. Absolutely not. She is just being told there are desks here and here's the script. So she needs to do a trial run using a script she's just seen for the first time in front of her new boss. So her first run doesn't go very well because she caves immediately to the person on the other end of the line saying that they don't need toner. So she says, okay, thanks. Bye. And the lady points out that all of the answers to anything that someone's going to say are in the script. Anything that the client might say there is an answer for. And that will come back because that is not entirely true. <laughs> but then, but then Phoebe, she does ask Phoebe, do you have any questions? And she's like, yeah, um, what's toner? Yes. What is, what is <laughs> the toner? The very thing she's selling. That's so great. I just love that you could get a two minute rundown and be so unqualified. And oh, nowadays... Yeah. You have to go through six or seven interviews to be able to get a job anywhere, it feels like. Yeah. So we catch back up with Joey. Well, no, sorry. We're at Joey's apartment. Chandler comes in looking for Joey, but he's not there. And when he goes to sit down on the Barca lounger, it breaks because it was already broken. He, rightfully so, panics, and then he just hoofs it out of there. He just gone. He disappears. Puff of smoke. Chandler's gone. Yeah. So we... A couple a couple of things. First off, okay. Hugsy sighting on the couch. Oh, Hugsy. Yeah. I love um, that. And then when Chandler comes into the apartment, it's empty and there looks to be an unopened bag. I think he mentions an unopened bag of chips sitting next to the table, like on the table. Um, yeah, because there was a cold drink or something, too. And yeah, he says, like an unopened bag of chips and beer. Here. Yeah, and he's like, someone's been or here. Or something bad must have happened. <laughs> yeah, but in the previous scene, um, little continuity issue, in the previous scene, Joey had opened both the bag Ooh. and the beer. And in this scene, they were both Ooh. unopened. So obviously different shots. Good call. Good call. Okay, so at the parents' place, we... It, What I thought was interesting was I didn't get any clear indication from the storyline that there was a communication that they needed to come sort through their stuff. So all of a sudden, I don't know that they were going over to the house. 
Yeah, I don't know that there was a communication. I think it was them going to the house to figure out why they're selling. And in doing it, they were going to go through their stuff. Okay. I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of what I assumed. I'm calling... I'm calling a flag on it because I thought I was confused and it wasn't very the way that they showed up wasn't. They immediately were sort of like, OK, well, let's go sort through our stuff. It, it just I don't know. I just didn't think it was a very smooth transition or maybe there were scenes cut that gave it more of a rounded storyline. But I just found Actually, an issue with it. I thought it was too short of a transition. I wasn't going to say this to the end, but um, this episode actually when it originally aired was longer than usual as Mm. a promotional stunt in order to compete with survivor that year um so the dvd version that we both watched is uh the shorter version but there's an actual uncut version that's longer and that's the one that originally aired so i don't know if hbo max has the like longer version so they're very well could be a scene where maybe they called their parents or something but yes okay this is a shorter this is like the normal length episode but this episode originally aired and it was longer got it i'm gonna google that see would, if it is on hbo that would give me everything i sort of need to wrap that up if there was just one small indication that there was communication from the parents to say hey because we're selling the house we need you to come get your stuff it's such a quick scene. It's such a quick point, but it literally wraps up what I think is a a writing gap in the storyline. Because all of a sudden, they're just over there at the house to grab their stuff from the, from the house since the parents are moving out. And we find very quickly that Ross finds his boxes very nicely organized on the shelving unit that's in the garage. Ross finds cigarettes while he's doing that. And the dad plays it off like they belong to the mom. Ross finds report cards, a rock polisher. And then the dad discovers Monica's stack of boxes. They're soaked through because he uses it to keep the water away from the Porsche every spring, every spring when the garage floods. So, This was not a one-time thing for the dad. This was a every year this happens and every year I use these boxes to protect the Porsche. This scene, this storyline, Llewellyn, I struggled so hard. This was so triggering for me. I lost all of my family photos because my dad kept the photos in the basement in cardboard boxes on the floor. And when the basement flooded, he didn't even take them out to dry. They were mildewy and moldy. And I had to sit through for six weeks. I individually exacto knifed. I mean, I know I've shared this on our podcast, I individually exacto knifed pictures that were water damaged out of the plastic containers because I was trying to salvage any part of the picture that I could. I was for six weeks bent over these photo albums. And so this scene, Llewellyn, I was I was so pissed at how careless this dad was and how he did not show any level of remorse. He justified his actions. There was no apology. <laughs> I'm getting heated talking. I was pissed. I and can, I know I that's not tell. what you came here for, but I was so triggered by the scene. This is an L for Jack. This is the biggest L for me. He took a huge loss in this scene, and I don't know if I will ever recover from this. Jack will never recover. He is the bottom of the barrel dad right now. I cannot with Jack right now. So please save me from continuing to spiral and give me some details about this extended version so we can move on. I'm still looking, but... Okay. The reason it pissed me off so much when it happened to me in real life is because... My mom had died and pictures, videos, these are the things that house memory. I cannot. So 
I'm going to I'm going to now close the book on that. I have shared. <laughs> I have shared. And now I'm going to move on. It will come back up because the storyline continues and it just gets worse before it gets better. But we're going to stop right there and put the stopwatch back on over here when it comes to Phoebe's new work. So she's still getting working on getting into the script and she calls another she calls another client and on the other side of the line we find a very depressed man i love that he's got an instant instant lunch ramen cup on his desk those are the freaking bomb and he admits he's gonna kill himself so he doesn't think he's gonna need the toner anymore and you can see Phoebe, she pauses and then she just starts flipping through the script options because the office manager or whoever she is had just said the script is right here for whatever the client might say. <laughs> she is trying to find any response because she was taken so far aback by his admission. Obviously, Phoebe can't let him just hang up. So she keeps him on the line to talk to him. And he explains his life and his job. He's It's dead end. It's meaningless. And Phoebe goes, Chandler? <laughs> Which is the funniest point in this entire episode. <laughs> because the friends don't even know what he does. And so the fact that they threw this into me was so funny and so unexpected. I forgot that this was a, you know, comedic point in this episode. And I laughed out loud. I wrote, I literally wrote in here just hilarious. So funny. So he, she's trying to convince like, no, no, you shouldn't do that. People care about you. So he in so that she can overhear, he announces his plan to the whole bullpen no one even looks up, looks over, stops what they're doing. There's no hesitation. No one is paying attention to this dude, which drives his point home for him towards Phoebe so that Phoebe understands the gravity of why he's making this decision. Yeah. So Earl, as we all know, the guy Earl. that she's talking to is played by Jason Alexander who yes. also played a character on Malcolm in the Middle who sold toner over the phone. So very nice. Kind of a nice little tie-in, but very clever. Yeah. Any info on the longer episode? No, I can't find anything that's except for how people apparently are very uncomfortable with this episode. Oh, because of suicide? Yeah. Which is understandable, but yeah. So. It makes it makes a lot of sense nowadays. It, it's one of those interesting things where now, even before you read a book, there's trigger warnings. Every every instance of a mention of something that could be triggering to people is mentioned, even in even before you start reading a book. Books. Movies do that now. People will post it before a reel or something. Whereas back in the day, that was not the case. You would just be sitting down with your family on what Thursday nights or whenever Friends was on. Yeah. And you would just get this episode. And it might have been comfortable back in the day, but it's also a comedy show. So people made jokes about stuff all the time. And things were way less PC back in the day. You just, that's what you got when you watched your show. You never knew what the storyline was going to be. Nowadays, it's, every, it, everyone gets warned before things like that happen so people can kind of self-moderate their own consumption. Yeah. So I can understand how people nowadays, coming into a random episode, would be like, whoa, whoa, I was not prepared for that. And they talk about it so openly and so comically that it can be a little jarring. So I can understand how in today's day and age where we are more PC and aware of people's triggers and we blatantly call them out so that people can choose to self stay away. If <laughs> there's a better way to say that, but 
whereas back in the day, that was not the case. So it is interesting when you're watching something that's so far back in history. I mean, 25 years is a long time. So much has changed. So I can definitely see how today's teens, 20s, 30s are rewatching this going, whoa, that was intense. Back at Joey's place, we find Chandler is swapping out his chair for Joey's because the broken chair broke in his presence. So he thought he broke it. And before he can dispose of it, he hears Rachel and Joey come up the stairs. So he's he's panicking, shoving the broken one into his house or into his apartment to get it out of the way so that when they come home, they come home to what he assumes was the last thing that they that they would have known, which was his chair was fine. But in fact, it wasn't. So they come up the stairs into the apartment. It's all assembled. She mentions that the new chair will be here in an hour and they should move this one out to start the healing process because Joey's still sad about it. Joey cannot get the back to separate and he sits in it and it reclines and everything just fine. Rachel's confused and Joey thinks it's a miracle. He's he Joey to me in that moment reminds me or makes me think he would be somebody that would call the Vatican. Yeah. To to announce that a miracle has taken place. For sure. <laughs> because you know how the Vatican keeps records of miracles that have taken place, but you have to it has to be irrefutable proof with doctor's notes and everything. And there's only a handful of of Vatican approved medical miracles ever listed and recorded because most of them there's they go through a very rigid process. I think Joey would be a person that would call the Vatican <laughs> and say a miracle has happened. My broken chair came back together. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me so like giggly because it just it just makes me think that's such a Joey thing. So anyways, so we go back to the parents house. The dad asks if she'll really care since he didn't mean to do it on purpose. Oh, my God. Didn't mean like, to intentionally put boxes in front of a drip of water. He's like, that, yeah. It's one of the, like, it's one of the things that <laughs> intention is not the justification yeah. for you to get out of an apology. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. We can mark this as explicit, but just fucking apologize. Yeah. It is not that hard. Yeah. Can I be honest? Can I be, can I be honest? <laughs> this is a little kind of a tell-all. I'm getting really, like, serious in this episode. Yeah, you are. My dad miss, missed calling me on my birthday this year. He's not normally the great with memory, but, like, he knows my birthday. He called me the next day, and he said, hey, yesterday I wasn't feeling well. I, like, couldn't. I was throwing up and just wasn't feeling well. So sorry, I didn't call. And I said, I, I, normally what I would do is just throw it under the rug. Okay, whatever. Thanks for calling. But this time I said, you know what? No, I'm going to be honest at how I feel because it, it made me feel sad that you didn't call me on my birthday. And so all I said was, you know, you could have texted me to say, hey, I'm not feeling well, but I wanted to say happy birthday. I'll call you tomorrow. Super easy. Yeah. He he said, well, I I didn't. I said, because it, it kind of did. He's like, well, it's not. I, I didn't. I didn't want you to for, think I forgot. And I was like, well, but when you don't say anything, it that's exactly how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like you forgot my birthday. And he goes, well, I didn't. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. And I was like, just say I'm sorry. Just freaking say you're sorry. It's it is not that hard to admit when you're wrong, but it is for people. And that makes me so mad. So when his dad asks if she'll really care since he didn't mean to do it, 
I should have told you this part before. I should have said, Llewellyn, I'm going to need you to have to lead this part of the storyline because I am <laughs> I am too mad about it. And I know you didn't take enough notes to be able to lead it because the, of the way that we do it. But what I will say is Ross does stick up for Monica's yes. feelings in this moment in a way that makes me really proud of Ross. Yeah. We all know Ross is not our favorite character. But he says that's exactly the type of thing that confirms to her that he's the favored one. He he gets a little righteously angry for Monica yeah. in this moment. And I I appreciate that about Ross. Now, what I will say is his attempt to fix the issue is where it kind of goes wrong for me. <laughs> Because he's going to try sharing his stuff with Monica in his new boxes. It's not the best fix. It's not the way it should have gone. Ultimately, the way it kind of comes out resolves it in the way that it should have been done in this moment. Because knowing right now, we're going to ultimately get to that end moment where she realizes this is not my stuff. Which she finds out easily enough and things fall apart. We'll get there in a minute, but... Yeah. Ross went up for me in the I'm righteously angry for my sister. This is the type of stuff. This confirms everything. Every insecurity that she has about being the youngest sister is confirmed in moments like this where you're too cowardly to just apologize and says that you're in the intention should should mean that she's not going to really care that much. I was livid. I was yeah. livid watching this scene. I would, I would definitely say Ross was... Ross's anger was valid in the scene. And I 100% agree that I was like on his side. I'm like, yes, thank you for standing up for your sister. And I will say yes. it sucks what he decides to do next. But also, like, I mean... I, I get his heart behind why he tried to do that because he wanted to soften the blow, but sure. still, I'm You're like... You're trying to delay. Yeah, but I am proud of him delay. for calling his dad out. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is exactly why she feels the way she feels. And like... Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I'll just say it. There are empty boxes that you could have put those empty boxes in the way of the water. You didn't have to put her full boxes in the way. I don't know. It's a mute point, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll catch back up with them in a minute. We'll go back to Joey's apartment. Rachel is gloating about her new chair. There's a cooler in there, a massagers, there's speakers in the headrest. And now Joey, who two minutes ago was so excited that his miracle chair resurrected from the dead. He is so jealous of the chair 2.0. That Rachel's sitting in. Rachel is so glad she bought this chair for herself. I mean, she pops out a fresh, I think it's a beer, but it might not be a beer now that I'm thinking about it. But it looked kind of like a beer. Yeah, it did. But she is so excited and he is so jealous. So. Yeah. So this Ecliner 3000 that they call it um, (laughs) is a modified version of an actual recliner. The Lazy Boy Oasis or cool chair i guess is what they used to call it um okay the oasis featured a telephone jack and a refrigerator unit under the right arm like this one did but it did not have speakers as this one stated oh okay they probably needed one extra thing yeah because things are good in like threes so a cooler a massager and speakers and i feel like i've sat in a recliner before that had speakers on it and I was like, mm. this is the coolest thing. But also, like, I can feel the headache coming because it's so. Because you can probably hook it up to your surround system. So when you're watching yeah. a movie, the sound is right by your ear. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Phoebe is still talking to this guy, trying to talk him down from doing his task. I thought it was... I. I laughed a little. This is probably bad. And this is where the like, sorry, guys, it is a comedy show. When he said that I only have one thing to do today and it just said tasks and it just said 
kill self or something on the whiteboard next to his head yeah. <laughs> for like the whole office to see. I don't know why, but <laughs> just just the blatant openness of it to me. I don't know why, and I'm sorry, but it was it was funny to me. Um, but I couldn't remember if it was in this scene because it says like I, I made a note of like doing his one task. But essentially, he tries to hang up on Phoebe, and she's not having it. She tries really hard to get him to stay on the phone with her. And that's kind of it for that scene. It was a pretty short scene. Yeah. Go back to the parents. I honestly think that um, Phoebe would be a great therapist. She really, she really would. And she's such a good listener. I think what would get her in trouble is she's so she can become so passionate about things. Yeah. That it might get her in trouble because she will go all in on something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even to the point where we'll see in a minute, she goes to the guy's workplace. So I could see her at some point, if the right circumstances permitted, depending on the client, that she could cross maybe professional boundaries because she cares so much for people. Yeah, that's true. If, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know what? This episode for both of us is probably... This episode for us should have been called the one with the trigger warnings. Because <laughs> for me, I have dad trauma And for you, an out-of-the-blue suicide storyline, it's like this episode, I'm glad we're going to get it kind of done in one. Yeah. Because this is a horrible episode for the the, the two of us. (laughs) These are not great storylines. These are not great storylines for us. I would have been almost okay to just skip this episode entirely, but we're already 40 minutes in, so we're obviously going to finish. But now I'm reminiscing, and I should have been like, you know what? F this episode. <laughs> let's just skip. Let's just skip this week. Say watch it your own, or like just talk about Joey in the chair. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Let's just ch- talk about a lazy boy for ten minutes, and then we'll wrap it up. This is the worst episode for the this group of 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 hosts to all of our friends out there. <laughs> this is probably the worst episode ever for both of us. So, anyways, um. Okay, back at the parents' place, Monica comes back out of the house and asks about where her boxes are, and they quickly show her to the ones that they've carefully curated for her. Although it doesn't last very long, she quickly starts to realize that those are his boxes, in fact. The dad quickly fesses up, and rightfully so, Monica is pissed. The the dad like puts down his facade finally and starts to smoke from that carton that he was pretending was the mom's and it kind of just blows up in this scene and then we'll get the resolution in a couple more scenes. So here is where we're going to start coming down from all three storylines and the next three scenes, we're going to have a resolution for all of it. So we'll start off at Chandler's place even though it's a storyline with Rachel and Joey so Rachel comes over asking Chandler if he wants to try her new chair and he knows as soon as she starts to mention some of the features he knows the exact chair that she bought he said it was the chair of the year in the magazine that he yeah that <laughs> he's not allowed he to access. sit in at the store anymore <laughs> yes, like, won't let it <laughs> Now, once he realizes, because she starts to explain why there's a new chair. So once he realizes she broke the chair, he comes clean and everything clicks into place for Rachel. But when he goes over to get his chair back, we see that Joey has broken the remaining good chair in order to get Rachel's chair. Which is obviously bad because now Joey technically owes Chandler a chair which will kind of see the resolution of a little bit in the tag, but it's it's still very open-ended. Yeah. So, Phoebe, 
obviously sprints out of her workplace because we find her strolling into the guy's workplace to see him. She had to see him to make sure he didn't kill himself. She is adamant. She said it's fate that she called. He said it was toner. (laughs) That was the reason that she called. And she explains the whole situation and talks about her history with suicide to talk him out of it. So she, because of this sort of demands, it's fate. And he wants to chalk it up to some coincidence. So Phoebe lies that her mom was also an office manager. He wants more evidence. So she just keeps kind of lying to him in order to get him to see himself through the narrative that Phoebe is trying to sell him while also encouraging him not to do it. And I think by the end... We leave him sort of in better spirits. It doesn't necessarily end the whole storyline per, per se, but it it does. We do leave him on more of a high note, I guess. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, maybe I'd a little. Say that. Okay. So finally, at the parents' house, Monica is parceling through her things, her moldy, waterlogged things, and Ross is right next to her. So sweet. The dad comes in to check in, and Monica obviously isn't doing well. He apologizes and gives her the keys to the Porsche. The one that he used her boxes to protect. And Ross is shocked. Yeah, that's an understatement. He did not see that coming. And now... He's sort of backtracking on his good Ross thing that we were talking about because he starts to say they're just a bunch of childhood stuff. Yeah. Why does she get the Porsche? He quickly reminds us how much we hate him. Yes. Yes. He very quickly falls from grace. (laughs) And... I have to say, the dad, the way he says, I know I can never make it up to you. Because it's true. You can't just get back. I can't get back a photo album of pictures. I can never get that back. She can never get back the mementos of her youth after years of being waterlogged. I can't even believe they kept it in the house. That mold being not good for you at all. But anyways, I'm I'm glad that he said it the way that he did and and called out the fact that this doesn't even remotely make up for it. But here's this, as opposed to just being like, here, I want to give you the car. So I'm at least glad that he prefaced it with a little bit of a quantifier. Yeah. So, all right, tag scene, Joey and Rachel are sharing this brand new couch. (laughs) And Monica comes in to ask what happened to Chandler's chair. And when she's told that Joey broke it, she's got two great things in one day. The porch and the chair gone, making it the best day ever. Yeah. All right. Are there any notes that you didn't get to that you wanted to get to? Uh, no, there really wasn't a whole lot in this. Okay. Episode. Okay. A uh, favorite scene. Honestly, um, probably when Chandler goes into the apartment by himself and then he breaks the chair and just realizes like, how much trouble he's going to be in for something and just yeah. know, like us knowing that he didn't do it, but it just made it even funnier. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene, my favorite scene <laughs> is when Earl is describing his life and his job and he says it's dead end and meaningless. And she says, Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like she's so worried about her friend. It just, it got it caught me off guard when I when I saw it. So, um, okay. Episode rating. This one's a tough one for us. Ooh, <laughs> this honestly, is a, this is a tough. smelly cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll give it that because there are a couple of moments, but yeah. I'm going to say the same. And I can't believe it took me until halfway through to realize we both had very large triggers for this episode that are very prominent in our recent traumatic life experiences. (laughs) 
And yeah, don't love that at all. So I am going to agree with you. Couple redeeming small moments. Ross being a good brother for about a second and a half. Um, Phoebe asking Chandler. I think those are honestly the two. And Chandler thinking he brought the chair was pretty funny. So there were some funny things, but overall, not great. So post-show wrap-up. Not going to do a social media spotlight today. Um, thank you guys for continuing to reach out and respond to our stories as we provide them. And I try and respond as I get things here and there. So uh, let's skip right over to recommend to a friend. You have got a list. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I'm starting. Um, I'm going to... So I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to do this one. Um, so every... A few years ago, I was gifted um, this gift. And I didn't understand. So I... A couple years ago, I first started using, like, reusable bags. Like, you know, you can go to the store and get, at least in the States, I'm not sure how it is anywhere else, but you can go get, like, plastic bags or whatever, or you can bring your own reusable ones. And so a few years ago, I started using my own bags, and by few, I mean, like, almost a decade, probably. Um, And somebody had, like, gifted me this literal paper bag thing that was like a mystery it like literally says like no peeking on it and I was like what is this and I opened it and it's so Trader Joe's does this thing every once in a while um where they have like a mystery pack because if you know a Trader Joe's um they have like themed bags for the state or city or whatever that you're in um and then they decided to do this thing where they put mystery bags into a folder and then you buy it not knowing what you're going to get and then you get three bags. So somebody gifted it to me. I opened it. I absolutely loved it. I got like three states that I've visited or have never visited. And I'm like, I don't know that I'd ever have a bag for the state. Um, and I was so obsessed with it that I went back and bought like two more of them for myself, like two more three packs of bags. Anyways, this is a really long thing. But the other day, a couple of months ago, actually, I was at Trader Joe's and somebody commented on one of my bags that I had, one of the register people, because they talk to you like they're your best friends. Um, she commented on my bag and I mentioned it was part of the mystery bag, but I hadn't seen them like have those in probably like five or six years. And she's like, yeah, honestly, I don't know when we're going to get them, but I've heard a rumor that they might be coming back this year. And so I've been holding out like I need I need these bags like mine are starting to break. I want some more. I'm tired of the Florida looking ones. Like I want some more. Um, and I literally, I I kid you not guys, I went to the gym before we recorded this episode. And right before I saw a reel of somebody that had picked up their first mystery bag pack. And I was like, they're back, they're back. And I made a stop on my way home intentionally to get this bag. And when I say that I got the last one in the store, I literally got the last one in the store. Um, And I haven't opened it yet. And I was going to open it right now and tell you guys what states I got because... Oh my gosh, do it live. Yes! I'm so excited. It's it's like a live unboxing that we can't see. (laughs) I know. I'm just really hoping I don't have any repeats because that would be unfortunate. Okay. (gasps) Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is the best. Um, the first one is Chicago. <laughs> I'm so glad you're happy. Get Ooh, out. Get out. All this hail Chicago. Okay. Um, I'm so glad with how happy you are about it. The second one is Virginia, which is actually pretty cool. It's kind of kind of scandalous, but kind of cool. Oh man, I have this one. <laughs> it's Wisconsin. Nobody wants Wisconsin, y'all. It's just a bunch of cheese. Anyways, <laughs> dude, their um, cheese is good though. It <laughs> it's is. So I actually, good. actually think this is the one that my handle broke on, so I guess that works. But I got Chicago, guys. I am stoked. All I really need is New York. That's the one I really I want hoping, that I don't have. So I was hoping you'd get New York. That would be nice, but there's no way they'd put yeah. Chicago and New York in the same box. But you better believe yeah, I'm gonna be checking. Right. Anyways, that was a really long like recommend. If you have a Trader Joe's and you use, no, I love that. If you use their bags or you use reusable bags at all, 
check like in the next couple of weeks for the mystery bag. It's literally just like a brown paper bag thing with this guy's face on it that says mystery pack. And it's it's the same price as you would get for a normal bag. A normal bag is 99 cents. So you're paying two ninety nine okay. for three bags. Um, but okay. it's a mystery and you have no idea. And you could get a state you already have. You could get a state that's halfway across the country that you may never visit. So my favorite bag I have nice. is DC. That's the one I literally get comments on every time I go anywhere. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Dang. Trader Joe's cool. mystery pack. All right. I'm going to do one that is getting me into my little wintry hibernation mode is slippers. Okay. So I have this weird thing with slippers where I need my slippers to be open toed because I get hot really easily. And I also wear slippers in the house all year round. So even in the summer, I'm wearing something on my feet at home because I never walk around with just socks or gosh forbid bare feet. I can't stand the idea of stuff on the bottom of my feet. And so I I buy slippers. So back in 2017 when I was in Paris, I decided that I needed to buy my first pair of slippers. And I decided that I was going to buy a pair of Birkenstocks that had the fluffy material in them so that in the winter it was really warm, but in the summer it wouldn't overheat my feet because they're the classic Arizona style that just have the two thick straps across. So your toes are exposed. It, it allows like it not to get too hot. And I wore them up until two months ago. And obviously we know Birkenstocks last a long time, but the fluff had faded out from, I think, 92% of the slipper. There was barely anything left because the fuzz was white too. It was just six years worth of dirt, dirty slipper. (laughs) So I needed to buy a new pair. I tried to go really cheap. I had bought some dupes on Amazon to try and save money because these Birkenstock slippers with the fuzz on them are not cheap. They're expensive. And I know that I'm only buying them because I want them as house slippers. So I I recognize the, uh, the absurdity of that. So I tried to be better this year. I got them, and as soon as I tried on these dupes, I said, absolutely not. I immediately returned them to Amazon and purchased another pair of Birkenstocks. Now, I purchased, I purchased like a slightly different style, but it was essentially the same thing where this time even the straps had the fuzz around them. So there's fuzz everywhere, but they're a classic Birkenstock shoe. It just has black fuzz everywhere. And I love them. I, I realized that I were... I wore those slippers for six years. So I used them. I got my money's worth out of them. It wasn't something that I even just wore seasonally. I wear them all year. I get home from work and I immediately put on my slippers as I change out of my shoes. It's, um, it's just I can a thing. attest that she literally came to work in these multiple times. Okay. That was because they're so comfy. And because something that feels like a shoe is already on my foot, I just forgot that I didn't change into shoes. <laughs> Because Birkenstocks feel like a real shoe at the bottom because they're a hard sole. So for those of you that like soft-soled slippers, obviously this isn't going to work for you. I don't really care about that. I just more want something else on my foot that I don't have to get too hot in. And so it's always been the perfect blend for me. So for those of you who are maybe slipper people, but maybe you have issues in the in the summer where you'd like the idea of a house slipper, but you don't want your toes and your feet to get too hot because there's always a covering over them. Maybe try a Birkenstock. Maybe try something that's a little more solid on the bottom. Sometimes I'll run quick errands with them, like if I stay inside my car the whole time, but they typically stay inside the house. So I want to recommend that to a friend as a house shoe or a slipper alternative. Birkenstocks, the fuzzy ones. As always, for those of you who are joining us, links are in the show notes for all the things that we recommend to our friends. 
which is you. So next week, we are going to cover the one where they all turn 30. And finally, Llewellyn is going to take the lead back over because I have been doing it for what feels like forever. (laughs) Okay. I know it's not true because we skipped two months or skipped a month, skipped two months. But I will say that this year... I'm going to put my stake in the ground. I got completely screwed over with our recording schedule. Every time there was a month with five Thursdays, I was the one leading. (laughs) She was. uh, March, June, (laughs) August, and this month. I was so mad. I I looked at our schedule and I thought, Llewellyn, you sneaky manx. How did you figure that out? Because I got completely screwed out of our schedule. So anyways, I felt like I had to just put that out there. I'm ready to be done for the end till the end of the year. (laughs) All that said, Llewellyn's going to lead the charge. Yes. Through 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 the end of 2023. Yes. And we will see you guys next week on. The One of the Friends podcast. <laughs>